Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokens and non-token lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, June 15, 2016 and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world and before we get too deep into today's show my goodness, uh, I was up last night, working late as I usually do, writing and researching and what comes across CNN, but yet another horrific story from Orlando where a two-year-old child wanders wading around in a lagoon in a Disney World resort and gets taken off by an alligator and they found the remains now, the, the boy was drowned and, and the father had to fight off the tried to fight off the alligator. Try saw his boy getting taken away and jumped in and tried to fight an alligator. <laughs> My God, uh, we first had that the singer from The Voice got shot at her concert, and then we had, uh, of course, the horrific mass shooting at the Pulse nightclub, and now gators uh, snatching kids. My God, <laughs> what a what a terrible terrible. Uh, run of events for the people of Orlando and and the families, of course, that are you know mourning all of this. It's just un undescribable, I, I, indescribable. Hard hard to hard to imagine that much tragedy in one place at one time. But um, my heart goes out to the people of Orlando. I was just there uh, a month ago, two months ago, at the uh, Gaylord Palms Resort uh, in that area. And so, guys, just what a shame. All right, well, let's get on to today's show. Uh, We've got our guest uh, for our Hemp Day Hump Day update joining us, the organic cowboy himself, Doug Fine, author of Hemp Bound and Too High to Fail. We got some updates on hemp, including a bill in Rhode Island for hemp growing that got a favorable improvement. So we'll talk about that and more. Also, the uh, Alex Whiteplume situation, we'll get an update on what's going on with the uh, uh, Lakota Sioux uh, activist who's now... Uh, allowed to grow hemp, I believe. So we'll find out everything that's going on with Doug. And uh, he's assured me he's in, he's in range. <laughs> he's, he's ready and waiting for the call. We'll get him on the line today, I'm sure. So stay tuned for that coming up at half past. Also on the show today, we'll have time for a radical rant where I I demand that we free Roger Christie. I know a lot of people that listen to me, especially the more religious bent uh know my feelings on religion and and all of that but uh the the upholding of his sentence today by the uh, u.s ninth circuit court of appeals is sad and unnecessary and uh the man should just be freed he's not a threat to anybody he's not a criminal uh we'll talk about that coming up in the radical rant also on the show today in drug war data mining we're going to take a look at ignoring the realities of this opioid crisis that we have in america Uh, First of all, trying to trace where that crisis originated from. And second of all, why some of the people addressing this crisis 
can't see the obvious need to legalize marijuana to give people another option to deal with pain in this country. We'll talk about that coming up in the Drug War Data Mines. Also on the show, behind the headlines, we uh, mentioned we'd talk about this yesterday. There's three initiatives in Arkansas we talked about yesterday. Today, we take a look behind the headlines at three initiatives in Montana. One good, one great one pretty evil. So all that's coming up right after this first break. We'll get to the uh, Cannabis Radio News. We've got those headlines from Hawaii, uh, an NFL headline for you, some Montana news, ACLU endorsement, some news from Phoenix, and uh, the MPP makes a presidential endorsement. All that coming up, plus an hour two, Toker Talk Radio will take your calls at 971-533-7111. Thanks for joining us live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. I'm Radical Russ. Stay tuned or back in two minutes. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From dabs to chibas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. We love you. I'm Radical Russ Belville, inviting you to join me every weekday on CannabisRadio.com for the Russ Belville Show. It's the NPR of P.O.T. We bring you the latest marijuana headlines, cannabis analysis, drug war data, activist interviews, radical rants, and your live calls. Join me every weekday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, live only on CannabisRadio.com. Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to the Russ Belleville Show is... Get Dot Buzz. Dot Buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. Dot Buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. Dot Buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. Dot Buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at get.buzz. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. 
This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, June 15th, 2016. Honolulu, Hawaii. A federal appeals court is upholding the convictions of two Hawaii cannabis ministry leaders found guilty of having 300 pot plants as part of a distribution ring. Roger Christie and his wife, Sherry Ann Christie, appealed their convictions on religious grounds, saying their ministry used marijuana as a sacrament. Tuesday's ruling by the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals found the federal government had a compelling interest in preventing marijuana from being diverted to non-members and being provided to minors. The ruling noted the government may force a religious objector to comply with the law if doing so furthers a compelling government interest and there isn't a less restrictive way to accomplish that goal. Baltimore, Maryland. Eugene Monroe. Eugene Monroe, the NFL offensive tackle, has been released into free agency by the Baltimore Ravens, a move Monroe believes is due to his advocacy for medical marijuana. Monroe had donated $80,000 toward research for medical marijuana use in the treatment of concussions and traumatic brain injuries. The NFL recently settled a multi-million dollar lawsuit by former players who contend the NFL didn't do enough to protect its players from the lifelong consequences of concussion. With many players becoming addicted to powerful painkillers, Monroe advocates for the removal of cannabis as a banned substance for NFL players so they could use it for pain relief instead. ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter reports that Monroe could end up with the New York Giants, the San Diego Chargers, or maybe the Seattle Seahawks, who play where marijuana is legal. Helena, Montana. The Montana Cannabis Industry Association is asking the state Supreme Court to further delay enforcement of stringent new medical marijuana restrictions that are supposed to go into effect August 31st. The association on Tuesday asked the court for a stay until the U.S. Supreme Court takes action on an appeal or until the November election, when a proposed initiative expanding access to medicinal marijuana could be decided by Montana voters. Backers say they have collected enough signatures needed to place the measure on the ballot. In February, the state court ruled in favor of provisions of a 2011 state law that limited medical marijuana providers to selling the drug to a maximum of three patients. The court court agreed to delay enforcement until August, but the Cannabis Association last month asked the federal high court to reverse the state court's ruling. Los Angeles, California, the California chapter of the American Civil Liberties Union has endorsed the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. Passage of the AUMA would legalize the possession of an ounce of marijuana and the cultivation of six cannabis plants. Citing the racial disparities in ticketing and arrests that still occur despite a decriminalization law passed in 2010, Margaret Dooley Samuley, Uh, The criminal justice and drug policy director with the ACLU of California said, quote, it is time to move from prohibition to regulation, end quote. From 2011 to 2014, the California ACLU found that there were roughly 60,000 marijuana arrests. Those arrests were over 70 percent young people and over 70 percent people of color. Phoenix, Arizona, the public electric... The public electric utility in Arizona has made a $10,000 donation to a group fighting the legalization of marijuana. KJZZ Radio reports that Arizona Public Service spokesperson Jim McDonald warns about the possibility of stoned employees affecting, quote, the public safety aspects involved in providing reliable electric service, end quote. McDonald denies any customer money was included, saying the $10,000 came only from, quote, shareholder funds, end quote. 
The anti-marijuana group is known as Arizonans for Responsible Drug Policy and is vice-chaired by Yavapai County Attorney Sheila Polk and has so far raised about $480,000. The ballot initiative to legalize marijuana in Arizona specifically protects the right of employers to maintain so-called drug-free workplaces. Washington, D.C. The Marijuana Policy Project, the D.C.-based reform group, has officially endorsed Libertarian Gary Johnson for President of the United States. MPP was quick to note that the endorsement is based solely on Johnson's A-plus rating on the issue of marijuana reform and not based on any of Johnson's other policy proposals. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, June fifteenth, two 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's orders. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. Okay, maybe you're high, too. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we want to take a look at Big Sky Country, the state of Montana, where there's just a few days left. I think it's this Monday where they have to turn in signatures for ballot initiatives. And there are three marijuana-related ballot initiatives in Montana. However, there's really only two. Uh, There is one that's a ballot initiative that was uh, put together by a group called Cycling for Sensible Drug Policy, started by a sports writer, and they've got an initiative called I-178, and that's an initiative for legalization of marijuana. Uh, He's only got about $6,700 in total contributions and only has $522 in the bank, Uh, and they don't have the 24,175 signatures uh, they need. Um, so 
this, you know, it doesn't look like this one is going to make it. They're uh, also promoting a constitutional amendment that needs about 50,000 signatures. Uh, so both, you know, statutory legalization and constitutional legalization might as well do both at the same time. Right. So uh, that one doesn't look like it's going anywhere. The real battle that's going on in the state of Montana has to do with the I-176 initiative versus the I-180. 82 initiative and the i-176 is the scary one this is the one to watch in 2016 that could have a devastating effect there's a group called safe montana and they're campaigning to just outright repeal medical marijuana this is i-176 in montana it's run by a businessman named steve zabawa and he says he's collected more than enough signatures to uh, get on the ballot And he says, quote, we're the aggressive party, and that's kind of our attitude. The loud minority of marijuana users have been very, very loud and very effective in their campaign of it's no worse than alcohol. Let's tax it and spend it, end quote. So uh, he has put 70,000, almost $71,000 of his own money into the campaign so far (laughs) and uh, has enough money and enough signatures, it looks like to make the ballot. The uh, group has also gotten some small contributions from other businesses like Rimrock Auto Group, but uh, he says, quote, less stoned people, that makes it for, that makes for a better community, end quote, and says that he worries about medical marijuana making it onto the recreational market, as if that was necessary for people in the recreational market to be smoking. Like, like this guy thinks he's going to get rid of medical marijuana and then that'll that'll take care of the marijuana problem. Nobody will ever smoke marijuana again. The magical thinking of these people just is unbelievable. The good amendment or the good initiative out there in Montana is I-182. This one is Montana Citizens for I-182. And what it does, you have to understand a little bit about the background of Montana. Montana passed its medical marijuana law in I think it was 2004, and it was a a good Western medical marijuana law. You could have home grow. You could have caregivers. Well, that evolved to eventually have uh, dispensaries, as it is wont to do, because, you know, one caregiver gets noticed and starts helping three, four, five, ten people, and there's a need. Uh, You're going to have far more patients in any medical marijuana program than you're going to have people that's growing weed and supplying them. So evolved these dispensaries and kind of, again, on that tenuous caregiver idea. Well, I'm not a store. I'm a caregiver with brick-and-mortar walls and a fixed location that people line up for to pick from a selection. But I'm not a store. I'm a caregiver, right? So that's all this murky semantic stuff. Well, the, the legislature in Montana outright repealed medical marijuana. They just outright repealed the whole thing. It was only saved by then-Governor Brian Schweitzer's veto. Right. So it it just came a veto away from being repealed. So uh, in the interim, after that, the uh, legislature came up with this bill. I forget the number of it. Was it 423? I can't remember. But they came up with this bill that pretty much eviscerated all the loopholes. They made it so that a caregiver could only sell to three patients. So that made it impossible to have a storefront and made some other changes. And so this got voted on in a referendum and and a referendum didn't get it overturned. There was a veto referendum. It was confusing because you had to vote no to say yes. It was one of them weird situations. So 
we still and the courts have uh, upheld this bill that cut down the medical marijuana program. So this 182 would fix that. It would remove the restriction of three patients per provider. And it would take away the state review of doctors who recommend more than 25 people for medical marijuana. Basically, it would allow for uh, dispensaries to come up and for the system to go back the way it was in Montana, which was working pretty well for patients. That's just how white folks will do you. Uh, You said it, Mr. President. All right, we got to take a break. It's 20 after in the mountain time zone, so happy 420 to our friends in the Rocky Mountain High. We're going to take ourselves a short break. And when we come back, some drug war data mining on the opioid crisis when we return. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. It's time to hemp present with Anadina Stanger. I say to you with all the fervor of my soul that God intended men to be free. Rebellion against tyranny is a righteous cause. And I believe that with every ounce of my soul, we are fighting a righteous cause because people need nature. Marijuana! Hemp presents only on Cannabis Radio. Sweet sativa. The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Data Mines, we take a look at the opioid epidemic in America, and this was brought to my attention by an article on publicceo.com entitled, Prince's Death Adds to Opioid Epidemic's Devastating Toll, and Cities Are Determined to Fight Back. Well, that's laudable. Let's fight back against this opioid epidemic. We all miss Prince, and it begins by talking about Prince's death and 
Then he was on fentanyl, which is a, a, an incredibly strong uh, pain medication, highly addictive. They ask, should Prince have known better? Should his, his doctors have known better? What are the lessons to be learned from his unfortunate death? So they make some points. They say, one, to talk about the disease of drug addiction. Okay. To have drug take-back programs, right, where they buy back your you know, unused pharmaceuticals. Well, okay, that sounds reasonable, sure. Naloxone, yeah, of course. Every, every first responder, every cabinet, drug cat, if, you, if you're on any sort of opioid, naloxone should go with it. It should, it should just be added to the uh, prescription. You should just get naloxone. It's the, for those of you who don't know, it's the anti-opioid. It's the, it's the anti-venom for an overdose, right? It, it, it's anti-overdose drug. Um, prescription drug monitoring programs. Yeah, let's set up more databases to see uh, who's taking what drugs. Okay, all right. Education and prevention. That's always a good idea. Although, uh, yeah, a clean syringe and needle exchange. Yeah, for people that are using injectable heroin and such. That's, you know, clean needles. Good idea. Yeah, drug courts. Eh, not so great with the drug court idea, especially when usually the people going to drug court, the only crime they've committed is being caught with the drug. So I got to kind of veto that one. But um, conspicuously absent from this list of things cities ought to do to help combat the opioid crisis, decriminalize marijuana, legalize marijuana, give people in pain something else to turn to, give them an alternative. Whenever I hear about this opioid crisis, I always like to go back to the numbers and find out what exactly is it we're talking about. Currently, the uh, opioid deaths that we have are national overdose deaths. This is from the uh, National Institute on Drug Abuse, from the National uh, Institutes on Health. Currently, there's about uh, 43,000 people who die from overdose uh, in America, about 43,000 a year. And 25,000 of those are people dying from prescription drugs. 17,000 are from illicit drugs, cocaine and heroin. Right. So we've got more overdose deaths from the legal drugs, the prescription drugs, 25,000, over 25,000. Those who died from opioid pain relievers, 18,893. So there's more deaths from just the legal opioids than the illicit drugs, all of them, coke, meth, heroin, all combined. 18,893, almost 19,000 versus about 17,500 from the illicit drugs. And we look at these numbers. Those are numbers from 2014. And you can go back on this chart to 1999 when the number of overdoses from opioid pain relievers was about 4,000. It was about 4,000 in the 20th century, the end of the 20th century. We hit 2,000, it's 4,400. But from 2001 on, it just starts climbing adding 1,000 or 2,000 every year to where we're at now, almost 19,000 opioid pain reliever deaths. There's another set of data that I like to look at when I talk about this, and that is the DEA's prescription drug monitoring program, the, uh, not, the, not the prescription drug monitoring program, the uh, Office of, oh, dang, I forgot the word, uh, inter- and that's not interdiction, um, anyway, Diversion, that's it. The Office of Diversion Control. The Office of Diversion Control of the DEA is in charge of maintaining quotas of how much 
of these powerful opioid drugs can be produced. Because this ain't pot. You don't just grow it. Not just anybody can make an Oxycontin, okay? It requires factories and precursor chemicals, and it's not the kind of thing you do in your, even a backyard meth cook could handle, right? This is some high-level shit. So the amount of fentanyl that was produced in 1999, back when we had you know the 4,000 overdose deaths, was 269 tons. The amount produced in 2014, when we got up to the uh, the big uh, 18,000, 19,000 number, is up to 2,100 tons. Oxycontin, oxycodone, from 12,000 tons to 149,000 tons. Morphine from 12,000 tons to 62,000 tons. Uh, what, Vicodins from 13,000 tons to 99,000 tons. Dilaudid, 743 tons to 7,000 tons. Between 1996, when the beginning of the, uh, the medical marijuana era in the United States of America, from 96 to 2016, there has been a 69,000% increase in oxymorphone, 2,400% increase in oxycontin, 400% increase in morphine, 1,000% increase in Dilaudid, 629% increase in Vicodin, 1,500% increase in fentanyl. As far as what the quotas are, what the companies are allowed to manufacture. Now, I promised after Monday's ranting that I wouldn't be talking about that other terrible epidemic that we've got in America. But there seems to be a parallel here. The more there is of something that can kill people, the more it seems to be killing people. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back... We'll get on the line with our hemp expert, Doug Fine, the author of Too High to Fail and Hemp Bound, for our occasional update on what's happening in the world of industrial hemp from sea to shining sea. We're back in just two minutes. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your Canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. 
A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, FiredUpLawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email FiredUpLawyer at gmail.com. Marijuana legalization also ushers in the return of the American hemp industry. Get the latest news from the author of Hemp Bound and Too High to Fail, Doug Fine, in our Hemp Day Hump Day update. All right, welcome back, everybody. 32 after the hour, time for our Hemp Day Hump Day update. And we are going to got him on the line. I just got to make sure that he can hear me okay. You got, got me, Doug? Loud and clear from the hemp finish line, Russ. That's where we're coming from today. What, what is the hemp finish line? Well, since we're our last Hump Day Hemp Day segment, um, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. Three major things, but one of them is, I don't know if I, it feel, you can feel it in my voice. Yeah. It's one thing to follow hemp. It's one thing to witness hemp. It's one thing to document and report on hemp. It's one thing to know of its impact. It's another to be out there as the farmer supervising a hemp, hemp planting, 23 acres in the soil in Vermont mm. last week. It was uh, the finish line, man. It's growing already. I've been tweeting the, the pictures of the sprouts like they're my kin. <laughs> That's great. So uh, hemp farming in uh, Vermont, 23 acres happening. That's some good news. Yeah, so we've got Vermont, it turns out, with its inexpensive registration process and basically a hands-off no help, no harm kind of attitude. It turns out this is the way to go because if, you, if you're talking about expanding the program to the maximum under current federal and state law, because the U.S. supply of hemp, which is protected under federal law, including interstate um, uh, um, interaction between approved hemp programs that's explicitly permitted under hemp law thanks to a provision in a, in a uh, big spending bill last December. The U.S. supply is coming back so fast that all the hoops that have had to be jumped through for permits to import seed are becoming less and less vital. Um, I've been, you know, I'm the eternal optimist, Russ, and it's coming back faster, and it's because it's needed and the markets are there, and it's, it's magnificent to watch. And, and so Vermont basically has a hands-off policy, and that's what's allowed it to thrive. We've got a farmer's co-op going. There are three families involved, and we worked our butts off for a week. I was, my every picture, if you look at <laughs> Organic Cowboy on Twitter, every picture, I'm beaming. I'm happy to be out there in the hot sun lifting rocks and running this disker in a hot, hot, hot uh, Vermont uh, spring day. That's wonderful. Uh, we love hearing those stories, and I, and I have been checking out your Twitter feed and seeing some of those pictures, so it does look like you're having a lot of fun. And, and as far as uh, New England area hemp farming goes, I, I saw a blurb about Rhode Island making a change. They were going to legalize hemp just for some tribes, and now they're going to open it up for everybody. Did you catch that? Man, you know, you, this just goes to show, A, how, how um, fast hemp is moving, and B, um, what it's like to now, after Vermont, to be working on hemp on Maui, which is, you know, it's not just a, it's not just a physical island, it's a news island. But even this past week on Maui, which we haven't talked about, for Hemp History Week, really fun time there, really uh, fast-forward development on, on uh, hemp in, in uh, Hawaii. 
what did filter through to me were changes in North Carolina. North Carolina's uh, making a mistake. They're, I'm sure they have their own reasons, restricting hemp acreage uh, opposite of the way to go um, in, their, in, their, in their program. And um, the, um, uh, what was the other states uh, I've been hearing about? I just got a big hug from my six-year-old son. He just uh, <laughs> my train of thought. But uh, I did not hear about the, uh, the Rhode Island situation. But Maui was, um, was, uh, was a fantastic time because they are focused on that island on food and energy independence. So, so my message fits right in with the most traditional and the most progressive thinkers on that island. And, and we got fired up this past week. All right. And uh, just the other day, I, uh, yesterday, I had a guest on the show, uh, uh, Bruce uh, Dietzen, who was with the uh, Hempsters Cannabis Car Tour. We got to talk a little bit about Henry Ford and the old uh, uh, cannabis car. And I'm wondering if you have any other uh, updates as far as, you know, the uses of hemp or some of the developments that are happening for, uh, you know, technologically. Sure. Yeah, you know, um, we've had fun in the past here on um, Hump Day, Hemp Day, talking about uh, the plastic that's already being made, the petroleum-free plastic, the uh, incredible supercapacitor um, research results for hemp fibers. It's, I mean, I can't emphasize enough how much these next-generation technologies are going to work, but I, I really, this last week, been really in touch with the soil. What Hawaii needs is healing from uh, a century and a half of monoculture, often um, sugarcane monoculture, uh, but some others as well. And um, that before picture that I'm seeing there is soil like bowling walls, hard, compacting over, over all these years. And, um, and then the recovery of people who are starting to rebuild uh, the soil that allowed the food forest to thrive uh, during the uh, pre-Western times on these same hills. Um, there's illustrations and even early photographs of some of these lands still thriving and functioning with, with native plants. And speaking to farmers about working hemp into that um, really has me thinking about soil because when you see what happens in the tropics, how quickly everything wants to grow, and it's just unbelievable. Like producing papaya trees that volunteered two years earlier, um, how much everything wants to grow there, then to have the message in press that none of, don't, don't even look at what's happening above the ground. It's all about what's happening in those first seven inches of the topsoil. That's really gotten me back to the other side. It's, it's all part of the same story. But while I'm normally thinking about next-generation apps, right now I'm thinking about rebuilding soil and the value of that beyond getting the best quality hemp products for those next-generation apps. It also is about sequestering carbon and mitigating climate change, which is important for the species survival. And the way that that picture just completely goes together and farmers the world over get it now, that's, that's really just the magic of what I've been thinking about the last week. Yeah, it's it, we're seeing a lot of that development and a lot of that uh, awareness that is growing with the uh, adoption of industrial hemp. And now uh, more and more legislators around the country that seem to get it, uh, where before they would always try to hide behind, you know, oh, it's too much like marijuana. We'll, we won't be able to tell the difference. They, they don't even bring up those silly arguments anymore, do they? I think less and less. I wish somebody would with me so I can say, and your problem with with zero deaths ever psychoactive cannabis compared to alcohol is <laughs> yeah, I'd really. say it's all one plant and it's all great. It's all have you not seen? I mean Hickenlooper, as we know in Colorado, I'm sure Russ you've you've probably covered this um, at length. I mean you have this initial uh, person, a politician who says what he or she thinks is going to you know most appeal to the most appeal 
most important voting segment at that moment, right? So you had nothing but resistance to the will of the people to a dang constitutional amendment from the governor. Um, and he's changed his tune. He's seen the lowest unemployment in, in the nation. Yeah. He's seen shutdown, shuttered Pueblo reopening with cannabis processing. And he's like, you know what? This rocks. And so anybody who's pretending it doesn't, they're living that, like, they're leaving last century and, and, uh, they're, they're welcome to catch up, you know. Now, as, uh, as we move forward with more legalization, everybody's looking at the state of California for 2016 and passing Adult Use of Marijuana Act. And do you, do you worry about, legal marijuana crowding out the interest in wanting to grow hemp, that there might be more money in legal buds and less in legal stocks. No, I don't see a division. It's all the same uh, to me. Well, it's only the so much land, is though, is what I'm, what I'm saying. Is that, like, as they cho- as, you know, farmers are choosing what to go into, would they choose oh. you know, psychoactive cannabis over industrial hemp to the detriment of developing hemp in California? I tell you, in, in the other legalization states, there's no shortage of people that want to cultivate hemp. Colorado is increasing a thousand percent in acreage per year. I'm just astounded. There's that multi-thousand acre farm, single farms with growing thousands of acres um, this year. They can't keep up with. I just did an interview with their uh, Department of Ag head. Can't keep up with the application process. Um, same growth. We're seeing basically a thousand percent growth everywhere okay. annually um, for hemp. So to me, it does all work. And I really, but honestly, I'm glad you asked the question, Russ, because. For me, I like to look at, you know, the past the, fin- the true finish line of the end of complete end of cannabis prohibition. Um, to me, the cannabis plant will just have one name of cannabis. It will be cultivated like any other crop, um, you know, like uh, um, chickpeas or tomatoes. And for the percentage of cultivation that involves a finished product and only a finished product that might have psychoactivity, um, it's just similar to the way beer alcohol is sold, no big deal. But for the rest of the plant, similar to, let's say, the wheat that goes into beer, it would be just, you know, like absolutely in your grocery store, produce aisle, cannabis flowers for nutritive whatever, and plus value-added products. That's already coming. You already see CBD oils and flowers just in a grocery store in places like Luxembourg. Um, But I don't think we're going to be delineating between hemp and other kinds of cannabis very soon. People are going to be cultivating for based on what the application in the final market is. And that's, you know, we're seeing a development in the hemp side of things with what you mentioned, those CBD oils and the idea of growing industrial hemp crops for for extraction of CBD. How is that going to uh, shape the market? It's a good question because um, in the projects I'm involved in, Vermont, Oregon, and now Hawaii, um, I like the idea of growing for flour, um, especially when you're local. If you're growing something, a fantastic local cultivar that's going to just be available at the farmer's market or grocery store regionally or locally, um, be the best, and you're always going to have a market that's true for psychoactive or non-psychoactive. Um, but in terms of hemp farmers that see the real value of growing, basically growing psychoactive style, but just a plant that when when processed has less than 0.3% THC, and this is technically today absurdly defined as hemp, um, you know, I advise people not to put all eggs in one basket because um, you never know it, what or if the saturation point is for straight-up CBD. I really think beyond just one cannabinoid and my own kind of planning and marketing for the projects in which I'm involved, but um, because we don't know the future and this is all so new, um, there's not really a downside to diversifying. And so let's, for instance, in the Vermont planting I was telling you about, we planted some at nice flower spacing and some at seed spacing. And as we research what the value-added potentials are for products that we create our own and or potential wholesale markets for various kinds of cannabinoids, 
um, we may wind up thinning some of the more tightly placed seed acreage if we see more value in allowing the space for flower production. So um, it's just a question of watching. And, you know, this is one of the fun things about hemp is, like, there's no department you can let go of paying attention to from agronomic to um, to marketing to legal to, to, every, to political uh, to everything. But th- the good news is, is the undeniable sense that we're there and, and we've won. It's, uh, yeah. hemp is a major, a major, hemp cannabis is a major part of the future of American agriculture. We all know it. Yeah. And, and getting to talk to the hempster, uh, car, uh, tour people, it was interesting to learn that Henry Ford's 1941 hemp car was like four or six times greener than a current, you know, uh, uh, uh hybrid type car. And then to think we could make cars with hemp, body parts and eventually the batteries you know that hemp battery technology we're talking about we could have our cars running completely on hemp all right that's uh doug fine somehow we've uh, uh dropped our call with doug so we've got to call it a a show i think yeah a segment i should say very interesting uh, i think my my skype account just uh just just short-circuited on me okay well we'll get that fixed for tomorrow's show my apologies to doug for the abrupt cutoff but uh that's the way it goes sometimes we're doing it live we're gonna take a break and when we come back free roger christie and the rest of us while you're at it This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the third annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. The most influential business event in the marijuana industry returns for three days in Oakland, California. 
Join your fellow industry leaders and policy influencers June 20th through 22nd for an in-depth educational experience and network with more than 3,000 cannabis professionals. The 2016 Cannabis Business Summit and Expo will feature keynote presentations from California Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom and Numi Organic Tea CEO Ahmed Rahim giving you insight into cutting-edge policy discussions and the most innovative business practices. All this plus the most comprehensive expo floor in the industry. The Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, June 20th through 22nd in Oakland. Don't miss out. Register right now at CannabisBusinessSummit.com and save 15% off registration using promo code RADIO15. That's CannabisBusinessSummit.com, promo code RADIO15. CannabisRadio.com keeps you in the know Monday through Friday on air and on demand with Cannabis Radio News, presented with the definitive worldwide news source, the Associated Press. Stay informed with exclusive news on all things cannabis. Cannabis Radio News, live weeknights at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, during the Russ Belville Show, or download the daily podcast exclusively on CannabisRadio.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. When breaking news happens in the cannabis industry, Cannabis Radio News delivers the details first. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high too. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make them. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Today we opened up the Cannabis Radio News with the uh, story of the Federal Appeals Court, U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, found that the uh, convictions of Roger Christie and Sherry Ann Christie for having 300 pot plants uh, as part of the distribution ring upheld their convictions, said that, that uh, yes, indeed, the government can bust people for growing weed even if they really believe God told them to. And it doesn't bring me joy to say that these people's convictions have been upheld. I'm not happy about it because I don't think anybody should be convicted, put in a cage, and run through the judicial system for growing houseplants. Just, it's absurd. Makes no sense whatsoever. But I've said repeatedly and covered on this show so many times that this religious argument 
to try to get yourself a special get-out-of-jail-free card for marijuana is not going to work. What they talked about in the story is the, uh, the government's ability to force a religious objector to comply with the law if doing so furthers, one, a compelling government interest, and two, there's no, no other way they could do this. There's no less restrictive way to accomplish the goal. So the way this works out, when the, the U.S. courts look at this idea of so-and-so says that ganja is a sacrament, the way they look at it is this. The government first has a compelling interest to stop drug use. Now, I don't believe it does. I think the tortured constitutional logic that figured out that the government has a right to tell us what plants we can put on our body is, like I said, tortured logic. But as it stands under the law, the government has a right to stop you from using certain drugs, has the compelling interest the compelling interest of public safety and regulating commerce, they can stop you from consuming drugs. So, if someone comes along who's a pot smoker and says, hey, God says I can smoke pot, that defeats the government's compelling interest of stopping people from smoking pot. Now, the other part is there a less restrictive way to accomplish that goal? Could I only sort of stop people from smoking pot to accomplish the goal of stopping people from smoking pot? Could I? No, there's no less restrictive way. You're either stopping, you can't be a little bit pregnant or a little bit pot smoking. You're either a pot smoker or not, right? The government's compelling interest, stop people from smoking pot. There's not an easier way to do that but to ban all people from smoking pot. Giving people a religious exemption to smoke pot would defeat the government's interest because pot is so popular and being a religion is so easy that nobody, it would be hard to bust anybody. Anybody who got busted could just say, God told me to do it. And that would defeat the government's compelling interest. Now, this is the part where they say, oh, hold on. President Clinton signed something called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act that said that the uh, government could allow these exemptions. And it's been found through court cases that uh, certain religions, these nativist, Native American type religions and, and Brazilian religions and such, uh, that these native religions that have had the use of hallucinogens for thousands and thousands of years could uh, use these hallucinogens. Ayahuasca tea, peyote buttons can be used for religious purposes. So if, if they can have religious purposes to use these powerful hallucinogens, why can't Roger Christie and the THC ministry have cannabis to use as their sacrament when it's far less, you know, trippy than the hallucinogens we're talking about. Well, that's the other part of the problem. We go back to that compelling interest and less restrictive means. People don't want to trip generally. Most people don't want the, what they have to go through with peyote or ayahuasca. It's not comfortable in some ways. There's not a big interest in people doing those drugs. So allowing some of these native religions to do those drugs doesn't really stop the federal government from stopping everyone else from doing those drugs. It's pretty easy to identify who's in those religions. Those religions just don't get made up all the time. 
There's no brand new. Well, I can't say there's no. There probably are, but there's not usually brand new religions that have these ancient kind of, you know, peyote and ayahuasca rituals that they have. So it doesn't stop the government's compelling interest, and um, they allow them to have their sacrament. So what it really comes down to, unfortunately, for the people who believe that ganja is a sacrament, is your sacrament's too popular. Too many non-believers love your sacrament to stop them from faking their way into a religion to get away with breaking the law. Now, as I've described all this, do not mistake this for me saying that I agree with this line of reasoning. (laughs) I do not in the least agree with this line of reasoning. To me, to me, making this a religious argument is almost beside the point. Of course, maybe that's because I'm an atheist. (laughs) But to me, what the First Amendment freedom of religion really means is freedom of thought. And the other amendments, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the ninth, a lot of these amendments combined together provide us the freedom of self, that we, we are sovereign over our own bodies. That's what the whole abortion debate is about. Are we sovereign over our own bodies? And the Supreme Court has decided, yes, we do have rights to things like birth control and abortion. So if my body, my choice means anything, then it's got to mean that when it comes to putting stuff in the body, what we eat, what we drink, and what we ingest for psychoactive purposes. If freedom of religion means anything, it means freedom of thought, freedom of belief, a freedom to to identify with a certain creed or a certain set of morals and standards and, and, and such. And so preventing people from using a certain substance because of how it alters their perceptions seems to me to be a direct affront to that freedom of how we believe, how we think, how we choose to present ourselves. So it's not even a matter of arguing about this because you're a Rastafarian or a Coptic Christian or you formed your own church called the THC ministry. That is all uh, not well and good, but it's superfluous. It's superfluous to what our right actually is that me, radical Russ atheist dude who likes pot because he smokes it and it makes him high. That's all I need. That's all the justification constitutionally. I believe that we need to smoke pot. (laughs) It's my body. It's a plant that came out of the earth. There was no manufacturer involved. Nothing involving commerce necessarily. It is possible for me to take a seed and plant it in ground I own and water that falls from the sky and nutrients that exist in the soil can create this bud that I can smoke. There's no commerce in that whatsoever. So there's no commerce clause argument for stopping me from using that. And what this all boils down to is damn it free Roger Christie. I may not agree with the argument he's making. I mean, I agree with the argument he's making, but I'm just saying it's a superfluous argument. Yes, of course you have the religious right to use cannabis because we all have the right to use cannabis. (laughs) That's like saying, well, you know, tall Puerto Ricans have the right to vote. Well, yeah, of course they do. We all have the right to vote, right? (laughs) So that's all I got to say is free Roger Christie because what's the point? What are we stopping here? We're stopping people in Hawaii from smoking weed. (laughs) 
<laughs> By keeping him locked up, really? Uh, you better tell Woody Harrelson and Willie Nelson that. Well, folks, that's all the time we got. Time flies when you legalize. That's hour one. Coming up next, hour two, Toker Talk Radio, which remember, coming soon, Toker Talk Radio will be available live, but as a podcast, it will only be available on RadicalRust.com. So we got some changes coming sometime later this summer. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Now, it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can toke. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can toke and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Potland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, welcome back, everybody. Glad to have you here for Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio. Our phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. I think they're open. <laughs> my Skype crapped out on me on my interview, and, and, and uh, it says to uh, update my Skype credit. But when I update my Skype credit, it... Well, it's not updating. It's, I don't know what the hell's going on. And I hate it when these things happen because, you know, I'm four dozen years old now. So I'm increasingly worried about appearing to be the old, out-of-touch guy who can't handle technology. <laughs> you know, I used to be an IT whiz, you know, back in the dark ages, just 10 years ago. <laughs> I don't know about now. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if the phone line's open or not. That's all I'm saying. I'll try it during the break. Let's see what happens. I'll call myself and see what happens. Uh, we got a lot to talk about on today's show. And um, I got to warn you. 
I am I am going to talk about guns again. Not right now. Don't turn don't turn off yet. Don't turn off yet. I've got some weed stories. <laughs> I've got some weed stories. But I but I had an epiphany about guns today that I have to talk about uh, and I and I'll get to that in a later segment so we can talk about weed first. And what we'll talk about weed first is Arizona where things are getting pretty fucked up in Arizona. So Arizona's got what most states have these days and that is a well-funded, professional, organized, poll-tested, nationally-backed, competent marijuana legalization effort. And then you got the other guys. So this is a situation that is brewed up in California, of course, when it was uh, the, uh, the Jack Herrer Initiative or the MCLR versus the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. And, of course, the Funded, nationally backed, competent, professional, et cetera, et cetera, is the one that's still around and will make the ballot. There's a similar thing in Massachusetts. There was, uh, you know, there was the MPP version and then there was the uh, Bay State repeal. And to be fair, a lot of good, you know, professional folks in Bay State repeal, but not funded, (laughs) not nationally backed. Uh, Maine. Maine is the one that turned out interesting. There was a a grassroots group called Regulate Maine and then MPP as well. And they actually took the Regulate Maine language because the Regulate Maine people were actually doing a decent job of gathering signatures. So, you know, I'm not trying to completely disparage the grassroots movements, you know, to try to legalize. Hell, Michigan did a damn fine job aside from getting screwed on the 180-day rule. But the general point I'm making here is What we're seeing in state after state after state is more than one effort to legalize marijuana. And it usually breaks down to MPP's effort versus the grassroots effort. Now, I like the grassroots efforts. The grassroots efforts generally are much more liberal in their construction. More possession, more rights. They, they, they're generally much better initiatives. They're generally the initiatives I would like to see. But they don't make the ballot. And I, I wish they would. But they don't. So then you got the MPP initiative or the Adult Use of Marijuana Act in California that will make the ballot. And then you get the people from the initiative that didn't make the ballot fighting against the initiative that did make the ballot and that i have a severe problem with that is seriously wrong we're going to talk about this coming up in arizona how the arizonans for mindful regulation who didn't get their initiative on the ballot are trying to defeat the mpp initiative in arizona to legalize marijuana i'm radical russ we're back in just two minutes stick around This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold. California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. You could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Get the latest updates on The Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking The Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Just about nine after the hour, and uh, we're talking about this unfortunate situation where the supporters of true legalization fail to get their ballot, get their initiative on the ballot. And so since they can't have true legalization, they want to fight against the legalization that does make the ballot. Now, I understand supporting one initiative over the other, like like you like this one better than the other one, and fighting for your initiative. And I can understand even not liking an initiative and not voting for it, right? Just skipping it on the ballot. I could see that for a moral stance like i know a lot of people with i-502 in washington just could not say yes to a per se duid regardless of the rest of it so they just abstained from voting on it but to actively vote against a legalization proposal to put yourself on the same side as the people that want to lock me up in a cage is just unacceptable in arizona the situation is arizonans for mindful regulation and a fellow by the name of Jason Medar, who's their leader, uh, who now head up the Stoners Against Legalization in Arizona. They didn't get enough signatures. They got like 120,000 or so signatures. They didn't get enough this year. Of course, they're still gathering signatures till July 7th. But they didn't get enough signatures this year. So they say, well, buy gum next time, 2018. Buy gum. We'll have, it. We'll have enough signatures in 2018. Well, that's great. 
That's fantastic. It always it always amuses me how people who think they can get their thing on the ballot the next year don't seem to think they could fix the problems with a bad initiative if it passed. It's just interesting to me. But anyway, he promises, oh, 2018, we'll make it in 2018 apps. Oh, sure. You know, when it's a non-presidential election year, when it's uh, what's looking to me now, if, you, if, if Hillary Clinton wins this thing and you have a Democratic president, what tends to happen in the midterm that follows is you get a kind of a Republican sweep. So, yeah, in 2018, when all the Republicans are coming out to repudiate President Hillary, that's when you're going to pass legalization in Arizona. But that's fine. I can accept that if that's all they're doing. Hey, we didn't make it this year. We're going to try again in 2018. But to actively work against the MPP initiative is traitorous. It's traitorous to the rest of us as cannabis consumers. Currently in the state of Arizona, any amount of marijuana can be charged as a felony. That's not always, but any amount. Like there's no guidance as to like under this, whew, at least it's just a misdemeanor. No, it's like any... It's up to the whim of the prosecutor. And we're talking about people like uh, Sheila Polk and Bill Montgomery, these reefer-mad anti-cannabis prohibitionist zealots, right, running these counties, and people like Sheriff Joe Arpaio, right? So, you know, not doing something in Arizona means something, right? So one of the things they disagreed with, because they originally, these groups all started out together, and they were going to work on one thing, but they had to have a, they had a falling out. One of the things they had a falling out over is that, Under the CRIMLA, the MPP initiative, there would be felony possession over two and a half ounces. It would legalize an ounce. Ounce to two and a half would be a misdemeanor. And anything over two and a half would be a felony. Remember, right now, anything is a felony. Any amount's felony right now. The MPP one would at least give us a ceiling. would say over two and a half, that's where the felonies are. Stay under that, you're fine far as misdemeanor or legal under an ounce well no that wasn't good enough for jason medar oh my god no theirs proposes up to eight ounces in misdemeanor over over a half pound that's a felony so really you want to blow this all up over the gap between 2.5 and 8 ounces being a felony that's that's the that's the problem here is that over two and a half between two and a half and eight ounces would be a felony. You should think it should be over eight ounces. That's the problem. The ceiling for felonies is too low at two and a half ounces. But at least that at least that is a policy difference that's rooted in some concern for the marijuana consumer. Yeah, we're talking about people that got more than two and a half ounces at, on them at a time. But yeah, you can at least say, well, that's, you know, for the good of the consumer. What I believe the real split is over, though, is money, 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 money. Just what it always is over is money, 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 money. According to this article in Tucson.com, they say, at least part of what caused the split was the insistence of the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol to limit the number of places where people could buy marijuana initially to about 160. So MPP is going to limit the number of pot shops to about 160 in the state of Arizona. Out of that, the existing medical marijuana dispensaries have priority on the licensing. The current 80 medical marijuana dispensaries that exist in Arizona now would have the first crack at the 160 licenses. 
And Medar's all upset about that. And you know, there should be more places to buy. And there should be uh, you know hundreds and hundreds of stores to buy marijuana. And so, okay. So what we're all upset about now here is business parts of this, right? Not enough people are making enough money. We're going to keep marijuana a felony for at least two more years in Arizona because we've got a disagreement over just how many people are going to be allowed to make money. Now, giving the medical dispensaries first shot at the uh, recreational licenses is controversial. Some people argue that by doing so, you've rewarded the medical marijuana people for pioneering the industry, for setting up the situation that even where the thought of legalizing marijuana is even possible. And these people have experience in the distribution of marijuana to customers. Perhaps that would be some good institutional knowledge to add to our systems. And there's only 80 of them. There's 160 licenses. So they get half and newbies get half. That seems like a pretty reasonable compromise. It just it blows my mind because these people want perfect marijuana legalization right out of the, right out of the gate. Medar says, only the existing medical marijuana dispensaries are guaranteed to receive any of the recreational marijuana business licenses. With everyone else out of luck. Why does this guy learn math? 160 minus 80 leaves 80. 80 people who could be in luck. And uh, the measure limits future competition until 2021 when the state agency could say whether or not there needs to be more licenses. Now, look, I don't agree with the capping of licenses or statewide canopy space. I think one of the lessons we can learn from Mark A.R. Kleiman and Botech is that you cannot come up with any reasonable limit on the number of licenses or the canopy space that is going to truly reflect what the market demands. I agree with Medar if his point is this should be free market. However many pot shops there's going to be, let people open pot shops. And if there's enough, there's enough. If not, more people open pot shops. If, if there's too many, the ones that aren't good pot shops will close down, just like the market deals with everything else. That's a point to be made. But not at the expense of continuing to allow people to be arrested and prosecuted and have felony records when it doesn't have to be that way. Let's get it legal in the state of Arizona, and then let's craft the business regulations and fix what needs to be fixed. I think sometimes these people, these stoners against legalization, have no real concept of what a dramatic sea change it is to legalize even just an ounce and six plants. How that completely changes everything you want to make sheila polk and uh, bill montgomery just cry like little babies pass marijuana legalization take away from these corrupt law enforcement bastards the ability to say well i I smell weed and put you in pink underwear in sheriff joe's overnight hostel I just, it just blows me away that for so long, being in the marijuana culture for so long has always been a dream of maybe someday we'll legalize pot, man. It'll be legal. 
you could have pot on you, and the cops can't mess with you or, or harass you or shake you down. And that that's coming. That's on the precipice. It's a, it's at the doorstep. And stoners would reject that. Say, oh, no, I'd rather let the cops keep fucking with me. You know, there's not going to be enough pot shops and people to make money on pot shops. And, uh, you know, it's better that I continue to go pick up my weed in clandestine meetings in the Walgreens parking lot and get felonies if I'm caught. That would be better. You have no idea how much legalizing marijuana changes the whole world, changes the rhetoric of your state politicians, changes the ability of your law enforcement personnel and your courts to deal with you at any level that that decrim and medical doesn't give you. Legal marijuana means marijuana is no longer contraband. It means the sight or smell of it or evidence of its production is no longer an excuse for cops to mess with your day. Why is this so hard for people to get? Yeah, it's not the perfect legalization. None of them are perfect yet, and none of them ever will be perfect legalizations. But they're all a lot better than the imperfect prohibition that we're suffering under right this minute. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, Beavis and Butthead. Uh, they're working on the Trump campaign, aren't they? Uh, you don't know that. Beavis and Butthead both grew up, <laughs> became political consultants, and now they're working for the Trump campaign. I think that explains a lot, actually. <laughs> hey, it's 420 here in the Pacific Time Zone, high atop the Ardea skyscraper in beautiful Lego Potland, Oregon. We'll take a break and be right back. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. 
Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, so we got an update here on the uh, Eugene Monroe story. Uh, as we noted in the news, the uh, offensive tackle for the Baltimore Ravens was unloaded today by the team. Uh, Monroe has been a vocal advocate for mar- medical marijuana research for the NFL and for the NFL to end marijuana testing of the players so that if they're in a legal medical marijuana state like Seattle Seahawks, Denver Broncos, uh, they could use, or hell, medical marijuana shit. You know, the, all the California teams, St. Louis or uh, St. Louis, Los Angeles Rams, uh, Oakland Raiders, San Francisco 49ers. San Diego Chargers, all in California. Lots of state. I I think I counted one time there was like 13 or 14 NFL teams that play where medical marijuana is legal. It's got to be more now. Ohio's medical now. So you got Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns. Anyway, uh, Eugene Monroe has been a high-profile spokesman for ending the testing for marijuana in the NFL and for promoting medical marijuana research for concussion. And, you know, it's not like the NFL couldn't use some help dealing with concussions. They've got it. They've got some lawsuits still going for the chronic uh, traumatic encephalopathy. They've got they had the lawsuits over the concussions. They had to settle for what was it? Six hundred sixty million dollars, something like that. So the uh, release by the Ravens, of course, came as a surprise because the guy's, you know, got his contract's not huge and he's a good player and no reason to really drop him aside from his advocacy, his free speech. So the Ravens today said that dropping him, uh, well, they're not saying one way or the other why they dropped him, but they just put a note on their website and said that says, quote, Monroe had surgery to retor- repair a torn labrum this offseason and used the time off to become the first active NFL player to openly campaign for the use of medical marijuana. The Ravens did not rally behind the cause. End quote. And uh, there's also a quote from uh, the head coach. He says, I promise you, he does not speak for the organization. So, yeah, just, you know, giving this guy the, the boot for his opinions, trying to help other players because that that closed culture of the NFL is so strong. And they just they can't they just can't get their minds around this whole marijuana thing. And of course, they never mentioned a damn thing about Monroe's advocacy for medical marijuana before they cut him. This is the first they've ever mentioned it now is after they've cut him. They mentioned that he's the first player to be using this. So it's a shame, of course, because. This is kind of a a chilling effect on other players in the league. 
at a time when he's trying to build consciousness for this. And there's other ex-players, too, people like Jake Plummer and Eben Britton and, and Kyle Turley, Ricky Williams, uh, uh, Marvin Washington, who are all ex-players who are motivated for this. But the NFL, we're going to have the same problem we have with cops. Sure, we get law enforcement against prohibition and we get a whole raft of ex-cops that'll talk about this, but not any current ones or very rarely any current ones. And that's what we're going to have with the NFL, with this, with this trade, this release, I should say. He wasn't traded. He was released to free agency uh, of Eugene Monroe. Other players that agree with him that think, yeah, man, I mean, I smoke pot. I mean, they know. Look, the NFL, to, to even try to say with a straight face they're trying to act, actually stop people from using marijuana. No. They announced to the players that, hey, the drug testing starts on April 20th. Yes, literally. They, t- they start their drug testing on 420. At least it was this year. They tell them when the test will be. And then after they pass that test, there's no more testing for marijuana after that. Really, all the NFL is trying to do is to find out whether a guy can stop smoking pot long enough to pass a test. And this is the insidious way I think some people think about drug testing, especially workplace drug testing. Because it is beatable. Right. Because because marijuana is not so addicting. Because you can go without it for a long period of time. I think a lot of people and and even if you if you can't, you can easily cheat it. I think a lot of people don't see a a drug test really as a, a drug test. They see it as an intelligence test. Or they see it as a drug addiction test. That might be a better way to put it. Like the attitude of employers and the NFL and others might be, yeah, we know people smoke pot, but if you can't stop smoking pot long enough to pass a drug test, then you've got a problem with pot. I really think that's the way a lot of people think of this. So it's it's just a matter of this wink, wink, nudge, nudge, look the other way. Yeah, we know everyone does it. And we know keeping it illegal doesn't really stop them. And we know drug testing doesn't really stop them either. But it, it's a nice little theater that makes us feel like we've done something. You know, kind of like the uh, taking off your shoes at the airport and all that kind of garbage. Makes you feel like you've done something. Um, so uh, his salary, by the way, uh, $6.5 million salary. He has had injuries. And they selected another offensive tackle with the sixth round pick or sixth overall pick in the draft. So he might have been on his way out anyway. It's my belief, though, that the Ravens before even before Monroe you know, came out publicly, maybe it was known privately. And they started lining things up to make sure they could get rid of him. That's that's my belief. They offloaded this guy because he's pro medical marijuana. And that we'll see what it does to other players. I. I sure w- I really wish the players and, and not just on the medical marijuana issue, this is something I got to thinking about uh, with the death of the great Muhammad Ali over the, the past week is how politics and sports have divorced from one another. Now there was a time. When sports had a great deal of influence on the political, 
know, battles of the day. I think of like Billie Jean King versus Bobby Riggs, the great battle of the sexes thing where if, if you're too young, you won't know. But Bobby Riggs with this male tennis player, not a great tennis player, but a good one, but not like a superstar champion tennis player, but a good enough tennis player who kind of opined that even, you know, shitty middle of the road male tennis players would be better than any even champion female tennis player. And so Billie Jean King, this female champion, said, I'll take you up on that shit and whooped his ass. <laughs> right? It was a big moment for women's lib. It was a big moment for the bat you know, this battle of the sexes, right? And then of course Ali, hell, Ali was nothing but political, resisting, refusing induction into the draft, losing his title, losing his passport, being banned from doing work. Like that's his work. Fighting was his work. And took that, lost the three prime years of his life when he could have been racking up victory after victory and making millions of dollars because of a political belief, because he didn't believe in the Vietnam War, because he was a conscientious objector, brought in politics and religion. I think in 1968, when you had uh, the Black Panther salute at the Olympics, I I think of so many ways in which our sports figures used to be more political. But now, as the, the sports leagues, NFL, of course, the most gargantuan of them, have become so corporate and so micromanaged and media coached that when someone like Richard Sherman uh, from the Seattle Seahawks goes so far as to let people know that the word thug is actually a code word <laughs> and that freaks everyone out. Oh, my God, he's so brash and outspoken. We need more of that. I think we need more of that. When those St. Louis Rams players, back when they were in St. Louis, came out to the field with the, the you know the Black Lives Matter kind of uh, uh, hands up, don't shoot. We need more of that. I know there's some people out there who's like, I like to watch sports because I want to get away from all these other things. And look, you will. You'll get away from all these other things. But I don't think sports are completely divorced from life. And if... If these sports leagues like the NFL come down on people like Eugene Monroe for expressing a, an opinion on medicine for their own players that's currently backed by 25 states, that's not hard. I mean, that's not even controversial. 80% of America agrees with medical marijuana at this point. And the NFL is going to ban that? Imagine, imagine some player wanting to say something really serious. It's just, it's frustrating to me. I'm a big football fan. I love, love my Sunday football and Monday and Thursday and the Saturday night games that occasionally happen. Uh, What I love is my football. But I also know that, you know, we have to be sensible. And when we see harm that can be reduced, and and again, because of the debates I've been in lately, everything's gotten so slippery slope and binary absolutist. It's like, yes, it could go too far. Yeah, we could over-soften the NFL and have them playing nothing but powder puff uh, flag football. That would, that would go too far. Nobody's saying there shouldn't be violent collisions in the NFL. We're saying because there are violent collisions in the NFL, let's find some ways to mitigate that. Let's, uh, how about we let the players use something that's been shown to mitigate the effects of concussion? There's a first start. I've got some other, I got some other uh, ideas. Like uh, a lot of one of the concussions and injuries happen 
uh, are on special teams plays. So that that's part of it, you know, is, is special teams. And so, you know, eliminate kickoffs. You don't need kickoffs anymore. Start the teams off from the 20 and let it just start from that. Yeah, we'd lose out on the occasional exciting 100-yard kickoff return play. It'd suck to lose that, I guess. But really, these days, most kickoffs, they kick them all the way through the goalposts anyway, you know, on the kickoff. They're starting out on the 20 anyway. So anyway, I'm devolving too far into the uh, into the football arguments. Want to keep it on the idea of allowing our sports figures to be able to speak out about medical marijuana. And given that I, I'm betting now the majority of teams in the pro sports leagues are in places that have medical marijuana. That's got to be true now. I, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll verify that for sure, but that's got to be true now, right? All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, I, I've held off as long as I can, but I got more to say about guns. I, sorry, I know. I know half of you hate me. That's okay. I just disagree with you on this. But uh, I had an epiphany about, uh, about gun safety from talking to some of y'all and it kind of blew my mind i just want to share it with you see if it blows your mind as well we're back in just two minutes thanks for sticking around this is the russ belleville show on cannabisradio.com Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Good to everybody. Radical Russ here in Aspen, Colorado at the Alaska Northwest Cannabis Classic at the 26th Annual Boston Freedom Rally at the High Times Cannabis Cup Northern California. Day one of Canacon in Seattle, Washington. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Christian convictions are under attack as never before. Okay, maybe you're high too. 
Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. (coughs) Or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. 38 after the hour. And um, I'm going to delve into the gun thing again. So I put it at the end of the show. You can just turn off now. If you don't like it, but I, I just can't help but expend a lot of thought about this. And, and one thing that bothers me is how the Congress has uh, opposed even studying the issue. Did you know that? Like there was a proposal that, hey, you know, there's this thing that's killing 32,000 people every year. Could we spend some federal money to, to look at that? Maybe just investigate that, maybe kind of figure out why that is, or even just map out how much and how often and, you know, just get some info. No, no, you can't even study it. And that tells you something when one side of the debate doesn't even want to study the issue. It tells me that they know what the answers would be. The answers would be, hey, uh, what we found comparing all these nations and all these states is that when there's more guns around, more people die from guns. It's an inescapable conclusion. You can find it in all the stats. It's just truth. It's just like climate change. It's like gravity. It's like evolution. It's just truth. Okay. So anyway, that's, that's a problem. That's a big problem for me is that we can't even study this. We can't even study it. Right. But as I've been having these arguments and I've been posting on Facebook a lot about this and about half my fans hate me for it. That's fine. That's okay. It's, what I what I do find interesting though is when they come at me though, Russ, how how can't you be civil and why why you have to make up these names and be so snarky and sarcastic? It's like motherfuckers, you love it when I do that to Kevin Sabat. You love it when I do that to the drugs are. You love it when I'm doing it to the anti marijuana people. Come on now, don't expect me to you know change tactics now just because I'm talking about something you don't like. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> So I, I've been having these discussions, right? I've been going off and doing thought experiments on Facebook. And I, I posted one thought experiment. And I, I'll admit right off the top, this is gruesome. It's gruesome. And I don't wish it to happen. I, 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 it, it'd be terrible if I did. But it was a thought experiment. And the thought experiment was, what sort of mass shooting would it take for there to be a change? See, the, the part of the, part of this is because I part of me has kind of given up. Obviously, it doesn't sound like it, right? But part of me has given up on this. Part of me, there's a part of me that's a, the George Carlin side of me that that says, you know what? Fuck it. We're just the gun country. We are the gun country. We'll always be the gun country. And there's a good, there's a non-zero chance that I could go to the mall and get shot. I just have to accept it because I live in America, just like people who live in Australia have to accept that a spider could bite them and die, kill them, or a snake could bite them and kill them, or 
A platypus could bite them and kill them? I don't know. But all sorts of shit can bite you and kill you in Australia. Just like people in Florida have to live with the fact that there's gators all around. And if you're not watching your dog or your kid, then he's near the water. Could get dragged off by a gator. It's just a fact of life. We just live in the gun country. It's impossible to change it. Nothing will ever change. Random bullets are just a way you can die. So that's there's a part of me that, that thinks that way. And, and and by thinking that way, it kind of frees me up to be radical and think of all sorts of other different points of view. And, and one of them I started to think of was, like I said, what would it take? Because when Sandy Hook happened and 20 white first graders were slaughtered in their classroom, I thought that was it. I thought, oh, my God, that's a that's got to change people's minds. Because we're all about, what about the children? Oh, what about the children? And you can't reasonably expect Mrs. Grundy, the first grade teacher, to be packing heat all the time, right? Well, apparently you can. Apparently that's the, it did not change a thing. It did, in fact, things got worse. <laughs> things got worse after Sandy Hook, as far as gun laws and gun accessibility go. 20 dead first graders, well, that's just the price of the Second Amendment. Bunch of slave-owning musket bearers wrote a couple of lines 230 years ago. And so, you know, the occasional slaughtered classroom of kids is just the price we have to pay for freedom. That's just, you know, so you and I can go out to the desert and, you know, shoot an AR-15 at some cans and shit and get our jollies. We wouldn't be, you know, if we can't do that, what is freedom? Right? So I thought Sandy Hook would change things, and it didn't. And so obviously the black church shooting is not going to change things and the movie theater shooting is not going to change things and (laughs) shooting at gay people in a gay bar. Although I did see a meme that I think uh, summed my thoughts on that up, which was um, you want you wanted to bring the attention of the the most mobilized minority community, politically speaking, to the attention of our frayed gun laws. Have you seen what? the LGBT community has done in the past 25 years as far as change goes, right? But I, but I was stuck. I couldn't think. What would it take, gun-wise, massacre-wise, to, uh, to change things? And then I thought, maybe it's not the numbers. Maybe it's who's getting shot. Maybe it's where they're getting shot. Because they're getting shot in places like Aurora and you know, in Charleston and Orlando and San Bernardino and places that are kind of urban. They're not getting shot up in Enid, Oklahoma. They're not getting shot up in Buell, Idaho, right? <laughs> they're not getting shot up in these little burgs, right? And and when they're shot up in the cities, I don't know that necessarily a lot of people identify with that, right? That you know, these country folks, flyover folks, they think, well, you know, big city liberals, big cities, that's where the crime happens. There's all sorts of crime and gangs in the big cities and big cities are debauched and godless. And that's not us. We don't live there. So I got to thinking, all right, what if it was a massacre at one of these mega churches, these big stadium sized pack full of white people? Mega churches. Would, would that change anything? What if it was a massacre at, oh, a rodeo? At a rodeo. Yeah, a massacre at a rodeo. Would that, would that change anything? And then I hit upon it. No, 
And again, let me reiterate, I'm not wishing these things to happen. I'm thought experimenting as to what would it possibly take? Because it's obviously going to happen again, folks. We're going to have more massacres. We're not going to change anything. So there's going to be more massacres. So what would it take? So I hit upon it and I thought a gun show. If there was a massacre at one of these private gun shows in one of these convention centers, right? So you get two guys like the, the Klebold and Harris, a team of two, right? And they get into a gun show with a couple AR-15s and a whole bunch of magazines, 30-round magazines just chucked to the brim. And they start locking and loading back-to-back and spinning with two AR-15s each, pow, 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 each, right, with their backs to each other and just rotating, in a circle, just mowing down everybody near him. Now, it is a gun show. So there would probably be someone with a gun that would probably take him out. But how many people did they mow down before that? And then how would that destroy the, well, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. How would it affect that argument? You just had a slaughter of 40 or 50 people at a gun show where everybody's got guns, right? So I started posting this and, and, and running through this thought experiment and people started responding back to me about the gun shows. And they said, well, Russ, at the gun shows, you have to go through security. And they check your bags to make sure you not have, you know, bunches of ammo in magazines. And, and then when you, if you have a gun, if you, if you buy one there or you brought guns in, they have to have a zip tie that makes them unusable while that zip tie is connected. And then, of course, they've got, you know, armed security guards all around the place. And I just, I just went, what? <laughs> so you mean to tell me that you people with the guns, you good guys with the guns, when you have your gatherings that put a whole bunch of you good guys with guns together in places where there's lots of guns, somehow there you seem to understand that the combination of many people and many guns is a dangerous one and should be infringed upon a little bit. Infringe upon the right of these people with their guns walking around the gun show to be able to use them. You somehow see that as common sense. You somehow, as you're all gathered together, all you good guys with a gun, don't trust each other enough for there not to be gun control at the gun show. But we're supposed to expect out in the mall and the theater and the church that you good guys with guns are the ones that are going to be saving us and not endangering us. You don't even trust yourselves at the shows. <laughs> I just this was the epiphany that blew my mind. It's like, wait a minute. You recognize that many people plus many guns in a confined space is not a good thing that we should infringe upon their right by with a with a zip tie to be able to load and use that weapon. It just it just pulls me away. You can put up with that. Now, one of the responses I got back which I thought was funny as hell, was, well, that's different. It's a private event. It's different when, when, somebody, when the private sector says whether or not there's gun control versus whether or not the government says there is. <laughs> okay, so some rich asshole who owns a uh, convention center, if he decides that a whole bunch of people 
with easy access to guns is a dangerous thing and your Second Amendment right should be infringed, you'll go right along with that. But if the people, through their government and elected officials, came together and decided that maybe you ought not to be able to have 30-round magazines, that would be too much to ask? (laughs) Just... I find no logical consistency. The only logical consistency, and again, comedian Jim Jeffries, comedian Jim Jeffries nails it, is the only logical pro-gun argument is, fuck off, I like guns. That's it. You just like them. It's your hobby. You enjoy doing, this is your hobby. Guns are fun to you. It's a part of who you are. It's how you define yourself. It's how you get recognition and, and enjoy recreation is through guns. I see your magazines, your guns and ammo magazines, your sniper magazines, all these fetishizing magazines of how macho and cool and awesome guns are. You're no different than the guys I used to go to high school with. You're like, man, I got a Chevy, it's a four bar carburetor and this Chevy kicked ass. Oh no, fuck you, man. Ford, man, Ford kicked ass. You're the same types of guys. Oh, Ruger. Oh, Sig Sauer. Oh, AR 15. It's the same mentality. It's the same self-aggrandizing, ego-stroking bullshit. It's just the difference is if I'm, you know, cool about my X-Men number 179 comic and I make a big deal about that or somebody else has a record collection of old vinyl from the uh, 50s or someone else likes to do needlepoint as their hobby, all of our hobbies, even if we go batshit crazy won't harm anyone alright that's probably enough for today (laughs) thanks to those of you who stuck around and uh, when we come back we'll close up shop get things ready for Stoner Jesus coming to you live on Cannabis Radio here at the top of the hour every Monday Wednesday and Friday and we disagree quite a bit on this gun issue but we still love each other stay tuned we're back after this This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. 
fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks, and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back here. We just have a couple minutes before Stoner Jesus takes over here on CannabisRadio.com. But to uh, leave you with a marijuana story, there's a story here out of uh, Philly.com that uh, shows a New Jersey assemblyman is proposing a bill on Thursday, going to go in tomorrow, to let New Jersey voters decide whether or not marijuana should be legalized just in Atlantic City. Yeah, so Atlantic City, New Jersey, of course, uh, used to be one of only two major urban areas in the United States where you could do casino gambling, right? Las Vegas and, you know, Atlantic City, although you had the other areas in Nevada, obviously, but it is mostly Las Vegas and Atlantic City. Well, gambling now is no big deal. There's like Indian casinos all over the place. There's riverboat casinos all over the place. And Atlantic City has gone to hell as far as its economy goes. So the idea is pass this marijuana legalization just for Atlantic City to rescue Atlantic City. It would allow the use, sale, and commercial cultivation of marijuana just in Atlantic City. And uh, he says... um, It would turn it into a city like Seattle, Vancouver, Denver, or Portland. And uh, they wouldn't be in like the downtown areas or around where the casinos are. It'd be in some other, you know, he says it's not going to be like, you know, pot shops on the boardwalk. You know, you're going to have to go to other zoned areas. But um, this would not be without precedent because 1976 is when Atlantic City was voted on a referendum through the the people of New Jersey voted to legalize gambling just in Atlantic City. So if we legalized gambling in Atlantic City in 1976 to rescue it from economic ruin, why not legalize pot in 2016, 40 years later, to rec- to uh, rescue it from economic ruin again? And you know, this is uh, the assemblyman, you know, points out that the people from Pennsylvania are no longer coming into our state for those casinos. People aren't coming from Delaware or New York either because there are plenty of casinos there. By passing recreational marijuana legalization, we can attract a whole new crop of tourists, whether you're from the Woodstock generation or in your 20s. Either way, you win. I don't know. Legalize weed in just one city. I, I See, the difference is that you can't take gambling out of Atlantic City. Like, you can't play... If you legalize blackjack in Atlantic City, you can't then go to Trenton and play blackjack. But you legalize weed in Atlantic City, you can take that weed out of Atlantic City. I mean, I'm not against that. I'm all for it. But I'm just saying, that's what the opponents are going to say. It's not the same. All right. Well, that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us. Live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. Stoner Jesus is coming up next. 
Stay tuned for that. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Bell.